Hello out there. Welcome to the second episode of Distributing Joy, a podcast about the joys and the lack of joys that you might encounter while working remotely. I'm your host, Richard, and I'm more than just a voice. I'm also the head of content at clubhouse.io. This podcast is sponsored and hosted by Clubhouse, but is otherwise independent of it. Of course, independence only means so much. I like Clubhouse a lot. I work there. I'm certainly not going to be saying mean things about it. I'm just not going to directly discuss it very often. In this episode, we're talking about moving in-person events to the internet. If you're part of any engineering meetups or attend small talks in your city, then you've probably at least had to deal with this as an attendee and may have been thinking about how to deal with it as a host. With companies like Square and Twitter moving fully remote, and with the pandemic in the back of everyone's minds, the need to adapt to running meetings remotely is likely not temporary. How do you take a small event, an event that is probably mostly about community and networking, and not just put it online, but put it online in such a way that continues to fulfill those community and networking needs, while also maintaining a high quality level to keep attendees engaged, and to keep you engaged? Beyond just the quality of the event, maybe you need to charge money for it, both to allow for a budget to continue running it and to ensure only people who are interested end up showing up. How can you do all that and do it well? To answer this question, I'm talking to the producer and host of a small but popular long-running San Francisco Bay Area comedy show called Talkies. Nick Stargu, also known as DJ Real, runs talkies alongside fellow comedians Aviva Siegel and Landsmith Avenante. Talkies has hosted and showcased many, many comedians over the years, some of them San Francisco locals, some of them fairly big names who've gone on to have Netflix specials and write and appear in comedy TV shows, and also tell a lot of funny jokes to a lot of people. Beyond hosting talkies, Nick is a musician, comedian, writer, and filmmaker. He's been featured on Comedy Central's Colossal Clusterfest, Big Sky Comedy Festival, Outside Lands, San Francisco Sketch Fest, Bridgetown Comedy Festival, and many other shows that we can continue listing on forever. He's been on the Vice TV show Flophouse, and appeared as a host on NBC's show The Guest List on their CISO online platform. He's opened for Devo, Scott Thompson, and Bridget Everett. Additionally, he's been an audio producer, composer, and sound designer at Audible's Comedy Division, and written the theme songs for Bedtime Stories for Cynics with Nick Offerman, Hold On with Eugene Merman, Limelight, and more. He also co-produced the audio series McSweeney's Internet Tendencies, and has worked on the productions of a number of shows, including Dr. Katz, The Audio Files. Why have Nick tell us how to run events remotely? The reason is because he's successfully taken talkies from being an in-person comedy show in Oakland to an online show that still maintains the sense of community and presentation that the in-person show had, which is pretty impressive in the short period of time he's had to do it. Let's ask Nick how he does it. Hey Nick, thanks for being here. Tell us about moving talkies from real life to the internet. Uh, for those who don't know what talkies is, it's a, you know, like a multimedia variety comedy show. Um, and when we do it live at the All Out Comedy Theater in Oakland, um, we have a projector and a screen and um, we make full use of that. So uh, I think 
moving over into this format was actually a lot easier for us because we're used to the tech side of things. Um, there's, you know, getting your sound right, which is really, t- really tough. Um, and for for me personally, I I do a lot of audio comedy, so I was I've been lucky enough to have the gear in my house already, you know, so I didn't have to like go out and like <clears throat> buy a lot of stuff. But I think I was reading somewhere that people's attention span when they're when they're watching something, it's, um, you know, 50, where, I don't remember what the percentages were, so this isn't really going to be a good example, but they could watch something with degraded video quality as long as the audio was really good. Once the audio, it gets funky, because that's what's engaging you, right? You're hearing someone's voice and that's, um, you know, in your ears, <laughs> you know, and if, if it's sounding really really awful then people are going to tune out and uh for comedy that's a huge part of it right so you just got to make sure your audio is solid um so whenever we have i'm jumping all over the place but whenever we have guests on i really encourage them if they have a microphone to to plug it in and and use it because um and if they have a uh, ethernet cable plug it into your computer so you know we get the best quality uh, audio and video that we can. But. Tell me more about your background. You have all this audio equipment. You sound great. Why do you do so much multimedia comedy? How'd that get going? Yeah. Um, so I do a solo act called DJ Reel, and it's a musical comedy multimedia act. And uh, it started as a joke a long time ago um, where I made these one-minute songs and uh, I was in a prog rock band that we played 10 minute long songs <laughs> and like King Crimson covers and Zappa songs. And this was like the antithesis of, of this like self-indulgent. Um, I mean, we had a sense of humor about it, but it was, you know, pretty self-indulgent. So I just made these really short little songs and I wasn't even trying to do comedy. It was just, you know, trying to be uh, weird. I just wanted to weird people out. And then but people started laughing and then I started getting into the comedy scene more when I moved to San Francisco. And um, so my, my act evolved from being a boombox with a CD player uh, and I would, I would burn a CD for the set list that night and it would always change. So I went through a lot of CDs over the years. I think I have some of them still, but um, it evolved from that. And then about seven years ago, I started using uh, a laptop, which totally changed the game. So I use main stage, uh, on my MacBook, um, and so that kind of houses all of my my audio. Um, so yeah, I do I I do a lot of weird stuff. I I play electric saxophone for a bit. Um, I'm I'm always trying to you know include some new weird thing that I get inspired by. I'm like, oh, what, what kind of ridiculous thing can I make out of this? So yeah. So what that tells me is that you're very knowledgeable about sound. Talk a bit about the challenges of other people coming to these events to present at talkies who are not quite so knowledgeable. You said you recommend they plug in a microphone, but what else do you tell them to do to prepare? Uh, so typically, so our show, our show has been running on Zoom, so I had to learn a lot about Zoom. Um, there's a lot of features that are hidden that they just automatically set for a default user. 
So those are the first things I go for. So for example, stereo, if you want to have stereo audio, you're playing a video over a stream, you want them to hear it in stereo, you need to enable that in your uh, user settings on the website. It's not even available in the app until you activate it on the website. So that's very weird. Um, uh, and then there's a bunch of other audio settings that you can change to make your audio sound uh, like the original audio it should be. There, there's They just... And, and rightly so, it's a talking, it's used for talking, but if you're trying to do anything music or any, anything related like that, um, you can make your original sound sound better. And so they don't put all the compression and stuff on it. So that's the first thing I do. Um, there's the obvious things. Yeah, like as you said, uh, you know, ask, asking them to plug a microphone in. We have musicians on the show too. So um when they can, it's plugging directly. That's the thing that we, we've been trying to get them to do. And and since the first show till, how many have we had? Three so far? Two? Three. Three. <laughs> Three online so far. Um, I feel like the audio and the, and the tech has gotten better because we just learn each time. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's simple things. Like if, if you're, j- choose the room well like if they're if if it's a little more reverby in the room try not to use that room don't don't do it in the bathroom you know <laughs> uh, unless you're unless for it's for a bit then definitely do it in the bathroom but i don't know if we want to necessarily that might be not safe for work i don't know i think the concept of bathrooms is completely safe for work the idea of a bathroom is doing a bit from a bathroom might not be very safe that's true you have all these sound settings on zoom that you change and that's great But if somebody asked you, what's a piece of equipment I should buy right now to make myself sound good, what's the first thing you would tell them to buy? I mean, the easiest thing uh, would be a a USB microphone. Um, What I I suggest to people who want to go like the extra mile is uh, a little DAW, uh, digital audio workstation, I think that's a W, uh, interface so that you can... Um, just play with the settings more. And if you, I think GarageBand might be a stock thing on a, on a Mac. So you can make your voice sound better with compression and, and reverb if you want to, if you want to sing or something. Um, and then there's other, there's other software. Um, there's free versions of this, but there's this, something called Loopback. And I think there's another a free version called like Black Hole or something. I can't remember the name of it, but it basically redirects your audio so you can hear anything happening in your computer and then have that stream. So I recommend the the free version for people who don't want to pay for it. Um, Beyond the production, this is not a free for all. The show isn't free. You charge people to attend. For that reason, you have to actually have it be gated. But you're still using Zoom to host. How does that work? How are you charging people to show up and making sure only those folks who have paid are allowed in? Yeah, that's tricky. You know, uh, so we've been using Eventbrite. Um, so what I do is I, I've been handling all the backend stuff. So I make the Zoom invitation and then on Eventbrite, I'll make that and not uh, an email that gets sent when someone purchases a ticket. So we do typically it's a $10 uh ticket for the show and then $20 for like a household. So if you have more than one person watching, um, what we're, what we're going to start experimenting with actually is doing, uh, a free version with, uh, donation based. Um, 
which we might start next week just to just to trial. Um, but so far, it's been pretty successful. We've made it. We've we've made enough money to pay the comics decently, and to we've been giving a good chunk of that to um, all out comedy theater where we usually perform. As far as pre- preventing people from coming in who didn't buy tickets, um, we have a guest list, uh, emails and, and stuff. So we could we could do that. We haven't really been that diligent about that, but um, we could we could do that. You know, you can let people in a room um, on Zoom. On that note, have you noticed? Because obviously, you've done more shows than just talkies now. Have you noticed a comedian seeming less engaged and less interested in doing their best work? Or have people in general adapted to this? I, I, that's a hard thing to, that's a hard thing to answer because I think for our show, definitely. Um, I feel like that's a really hard thing to answer. I, I don't want to disparage people, but I have seen Okay, here's the thing. This whole situation that we're in right now is really affecting people. So I I have seen people kind of being a little more lackadaisical about getting on a Zoom show and just sitting on a couch and talking. And I feel like we have Zoom fatigue at this point. Um, there's articles written about it. And people, people want to see something different. Um, so I don't know. I I have seen what you're talking about. And I think that's a symptom, not necessarily of, of the performer being not interested in performing, but I think it's like they're affected. They're like emotionally affected by what's happening. And I feel like there's not that immediate thing. Things are so different now, you know? Um, I've, what I try to do on our show is, is, is book people that I know that won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh which which um and it's only because I've, I've you know i've seen them perform online before you know it's like it's like and and they've been people that have performed on our show and i know that that you know but we're all affected by this thing i mean i you know for me personally this is the thing that keeps me going you know it's like this is what's different you know we we, we get to go outside and walk around and stuff but like uh, this is something to look forward to. I definitely look forward to watching it. And to your point, it's obviously not to disparage anybody. It's already incredibly challenging to just be dealing with the pandemic in general and to be dealing with the way life has changed. The challenge of switching from being in front of a crowd with a microphone and now you're in front of a laptop looking at a webcam. And as you noted, something that's important for anyone on stage, I think, is feedback from the audience. For a lot of shows, the audience is muted. You can't even hear if people are enjoying your jokes or laughing. Talk a bit about that. Talk about why it's important for that sense of community to not mute the audience. Oh, I mean, as a performer, you want to hear the feedback, right? I mean, it's 50% of the reason you, for most people to get on stage is to to get that, that immediate reaction. Um, and I think for our show in particular, there's 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 friends of the show that come to the show too. So uh, we want to hear their laughter. You know, we want to, we want to hear if, if they want, if they say something funny, you know, um, it's just, it's just really important. I think um, 
for our for at least for our show to have that that engagement um it, it, it really it would be a very different show otherwise i think um i haven't really noticed many times where it's it's interrupted a a performer on our show at least um and that feedback you know can add things to your to the to what's happening um we had george chen on um the first show and he did a whole thing about the census and he he would we would spotlight people in the i mean you were there for this but we would spotlight people in the audience and then he basically interviewed them um and if you muted them you know we wouldn't that would be a totally different show so we're trying to do more interactive things and get people engaged and play games and stuff we have a really fun thing we're going to do tonight on our show i'm not going to tell you about it but you're trying to make it more interactive just because people are going to be unmuted anyway so why not have you seen any problems with heckling or too much noise coming from one person's mic? And in that case, do you have the ability to go in and just individually mute people if you notice that they're an issue? Yeah. So uh, we have a tech guy, uh, Will Scoville, who's been a, a, one of the he's producers for years. Um, so he's basically on mute duty uh, <laughs> in, in case things get out, out of control. Um, I don't rem- from, from the shows that we've done, I don't remember anything really being being crazy we had one person who you kept hearing their microwave go off uh that was like two shows ago i think um and i was worried it was my girlfriend but it was <laughs> it ended up not being her um but yeah on, but there was not on our show but there was another show where there were i don't know if you heard about this but there was uh when this whole thing first started you know people did, i don't think quite understood how to use zoom well so I, this is before like zoom bombing became like really known and a, a local comedy show had had a handful of people come in and put like racist things in the chat. Um, it took over the chat, it took over the show basically as a as a host somehow, and uh, we're we're putting like pornographic images and and stuff. So um, we've been lucky in that regard um, and really containing everything. Um, there's you know there's there's settings you can do to make sure that doesn't happen. So. Because there, there's a setting where anybody can share screen, which would be complete chaos, I think. <laughs> um, although that would be a fun, just to see what would happen, you know, uh-huh. a free show where anybody could share a screen, I think could be a, a fun concept. But. That's like the open mic of Zoom comedy. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, it would be a kind of a nightmare, but I would be interested to watch. Beyond the Zoom bombing that happened to that one comedy show and all the awful stuff that went along with it, the Supreme Court just had one of the justices flush their toilet during oral arguments. And if that happens on the Supreme Court, that's really not that bad if something minor goes wrong on your comedy show or in any of them. Oh, it's even better on a comedy show, yeah. Why do you think it's important that comedy shows and events like them be live and not pre-recorded and just put out? Well, as a, I mean, it, it depends on the show, but as a comic, you kind of don't want your... It's the dream of like having your own special someday, right? So if you're going to do a bit that you're just going to have out there, you got to be really thoughtful about it. Um, I think for our show, we we make things for the show, so it's 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 okay if it's it's out there. Um, with live streaming, I think having the interaction with the with the chat, having the interaction with with the crowd. Um, makes the viewer feel like they're there in a way. Um, it's your, it's an audience. Um, 
with a pre-recorded thing, it's I don't I don't think it's not good. I just think um, there's more value to to that interaction. Fully agree as a viewer. It makes it a real event. It's an event, yeah. Tonight, my partner and I were going to go to two comedy shows, including talkies. We're going to order in like we're going out for dinner or something. We're going to have cocktails. It's going to be like a, a big night out to a show. It feels like we're there. We can see the other audience members. We can hear them laugh. We, you know, we watch videos all day long. And if this was just another video, we would still watch it. But it wouldn't feel special at all. Being there feels almost as good, not as good, but almost as good as actually going to the live show in person. You know, it's it's a community thing, and, and uh, it activates a certain part of your brain that wants to connect. And I think that's super important. And I didn't, I don't think I even realized it before this, you know, before we were trapped at home. You know, like, we really need these connections. And laugh it, to me, like, a live comedy show can feel like church in a way. Like you're all directing your positive energy in like one place. And um, I don't, I'm not a religious guy, but that's like the closest thing to church that I personally have, you know? Um, and yeah, as you were saying, like it is an event and we all need these things to, to look forward to. Um, I wish there was a way to vet, shows somehow so that you could like know what you're getting into uh but the nice thing about here's the thing the nice thing about these shows is you can dip out whenever you want you don't have to make a big scene like at a comedy show you have to stand up scooch across a a row of people the comic sees you calls you out makes fun of you for having to go to the bathroom here you just like mute yourself or just leave and no one knows it, you can go so easy, especially if there's like 50 people, no one's going to know. It's interesting because since it's live and because my mic is on, I feel like I only get up and go to the bathroom between sets, just like I would do with an actual show. I only go up and get a drink after a comic is done and before a new person comes on. It is nice that I can get up and no one will really care or notice, but I don't want to just get up and walk away. That feeling of community is there. I still want to ensure this person gets their time I want to see their whole set before I just wander off. What was the most challenging thing for you about going from offline to actually putting this online? What was the hardest part of making it happen? I spent a full week just trying to figure out the uh, how to understand Zoom. You know, that was the hardest thing is like I I know my tech runs okay, but what are, what do these uh platforms offer? Um I had never live streamed, so it's like, what what is restream? What is OBS? What is uh, how do you use Facebook Live? Like these are things that I never even really thought about before. Um, and that I think the biggest thing is just kind of figuring it was for me was figuring out all of the the tricks. I would you know use Zoom on two different computers, test the audio on the other computer, and does this sound okay? Does this look okay? Um, uh, figuring out that you need to plug in your Ethernet cable or you're not going to have a, a solid stream, which s- seems like a no-brainer, but like most people don't, most laptops don't even have a, like a port on it for that. So I had to buy the adapter for that. Um, the first talkie show, I dropped my computer right before the show started. <laughs> so I had to buy a new, I had to get a new computer, you know, figure, 
figure out all the new ports on that thing. Um, I think, I think in general, it would give yourself a one week learning curve. There's tons of really good YouTube videos of, of people explaining how to get your audio right, how to get your video right. Um, there's even good, there's good article articles about, uh, comedy, how to do a good live stream comedy show. Um, so just read what, read everything you can and, uh, yeah, do your best. I don't know. Do your best is a very nice thing to say. (laughs) I know you're not here to disparage anyone and I don't want you to, but is there anything you've watched now or been a part of that didn't turn out good in your mind? And if so, what were the parts? If if you could go back and give them advice, what was the weakest part of that? If they had fixed it, what would have made it a lot better? Uh, I did an Instagram live show, and it was, I think, one of the first streaming shows that I did. Uh, and I think the host just didn't quite understand the format um, of like how to get people in it's, it's it's understanding like there's just you need you need to do a lot of test runs you know to get these things down but like somebody on instagram you have to join you have to ask to join and then they have to let you in but if you ask them way further up in this chat they're not going to see that and it's it's just really it's it was an it's an awkward thing so i would have recommended just doing a bunch of tests before doing it and and figuring that stuff out and i'm hoping these platforms understand how important it is to make these things easy for people because not everybody's a tech person. So um, I feel like, I feel like zoom is starting to slowly get a little bit better for things, but like Instagram live should be just, you should just be able to do stuff super, you know, way easier. But um, I also watched like a crypto cryptocurrency conference that normally takes place in person. You have to pay thousands of dollars to go see and my god this thing was so boring <laughs> like there were probably announcements made but i just think the for for that particular uh event um i don't know they there's for that particular event i feel like that that would have done better in a live setting because uh you have people that can do Q and A's after, after the thing. And that, that wasn't happening. Um, people were just basically talking and then it was just boring. I don't know. Not that it should be, I mean, and I'm somebody who's interested in that stuff. It should be like really exciting to watch this, but, and then they also had some perf- like uh, musicians on, on and, th- and some, and I was like so surprised that their audio wasn't like killing it. Um, for being like a tech based conference. Um, it was just, they were just using like their computer speaker or computer mics to get the audio in. And I was like, what is happening right now? To play music? Yeah. There was like some, it was some guy singing over pre recorded track at a huge crypto conference. I'm like, what is this? What, I, what am I watching right now? I think there's a real, I think because it looks so easy when people are doing it on YouTube, even though they actually put a lot of work into it to just make these normal-looking videos. But it's not that easy to do. You can't just point a camera at someone and say, go, unless they're already an entertainer or performer and already have their own equipment. At an in-person event, it's fine because people are there. I mean, half the reason they're there is to skip out of work or go drink or just have, have a good time out. But now, 
the office is, you know, they're trying to get out of the office, but now the office is their home for anyone who's lucky enough to be working from home. There's not really anything special about going to the event because you're still at home unless that event actually makes it interesting and the audio was good and people have prepared beforehand and you get that sense of community from going. That's it. I mean, I would rather watch a boring person sound sound good than an excited person not sound good. And that's a good piece of advice to end on. Thanks so much to Nick Stargu for talking with us today about how to run a meetup or other in-person event remotely. Talkies is a very funny show that runs every two weeks. If you're interested in attending, you can find all the details on our blog uh, at blog.clubhouse.io. Just go to the Distributing Joy tag found there. To be clear, Talkies is a comedy show over which we have no control. Some shows may be PG and some shows may be R-rated, depending on the comedians involved in an individual show. Clubhouse.io is not affiliated with the show and does not directly endorse it outside of valuing the expertise on sound and presentation that Nick brought to the podcast today. I can personally note that it is very funny and I've attended it for years and I've seen many comedians go from just starting out to being successful. You can find Talkies at Talkies Comedy on Instagram and find Nick at DJRealSmells.com. As for Clubhouse.io, we're the best way to manage your team's projects, whether you're remote or in the office together. Clubhouse is even enjoyable to use. Imagine that. Use Clubhouse because you shouldn't have to product manage your product management. <laughs>